Okay, everyone, we are going to start up again with uh, Dr. Emily Wagner and Dr. Aaron Phipps discussing dermatology. They are going to start right up with discussing eczema and the triad of atopy. Okay, all right. So something that is quite heavily tested on the boards, though, is the tri- the triad of atopy. So Ooh. let's spend some time talking about atopic Which would be dermatitis. another good name for a band. Triad of atopy. The triad of atopy. Great. Great. The allergic rhinitis, asthma, and atopic, atopic dermatitis, dermatitis, right? Okay. So colloquially, I yes. did that after drinking a glass of wine. That's awesome. Be proud of I'm me. very proud yeah. of you. Uh, known as eczema. Or as my mother would say, eczema. Eczema. Mm-hmm. But your mother's from Australia. Australia yes, so, so she says eczema. It doesn't really count. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, she counts. Well, she, all right. Meg's counts. You're okay. Right. Meg's counts. Yeah. <laughs> Megs will probably Megs, Megs will probably Megs, listen to this. Megs, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, Megs likes to listen to these. So there All we right. go. Let's make All your right, mom so, proud. So what do you have to have for atopic dermatitis? Right? There's like there's a huge long list of sort of major features and common findings, um, but kind of the big ones are one you have to have a rash, right? Sure. Um, which I think is kind of hilarious that it's literally in like your criteria for diagnosis is that you have to have a rash for atopic dermatitis, which I think is kind of amazing, um, and you have to be itchy. So, pruritus, or pruritus, <laughs> is an essential feature. I'm, you're never going to ask me to do one of these again. Pruritus <laughs> is an essential feature of atopic dermatitis, as is having a freaking rash. Okay, sure, okay. yeah. Well, uh, so, okay, so mm-hmm. what does this one look like, if you have to describe it to me? So, Dr. well, how, how would you describe it? What are some features that you think of when you think of atopic dermatitis. Yeah, so thickening of mm-hmm. the skin, which in the fancy derm terms could be lichenification. Yes. Lichenification. It's the lichenification, right? Sure. And so it also encompasses my favorite word, xerosis. Xerosis. And we right, remember that was skin. dry skin. Mm-hmm. Dryness so of the skin. Is it xerotic lichenification? Be you can have, oh. You're like, yes, you have xerotic lichenification. You can have diffuse xerosis mm-hmm. and this with is patchy lichenification. Patchy. But generally, mm-hmm. lichenification is probably more associated, let's be honest, with plaques, right? Because plaques are raised, patches are flat. Okay. So you have And often... typically over the antecubital fossa. Mm-hmm. Your flexural surfaces, mm-hmm. right? And so your popliteals, your antecubes. But the thing with infants and young babies is oftentimes your distribution is very different, right? So it almost looks more like a seborrheic distribution because it's like all over your head and all over your face um, and just kind of all over your body, whereas the older you get, kind of the more you're going to isolate potentially to sort of ankles and flexural surfaces, right? And extensor surfaces sometimes too, although that makes, should make you think of psoriasis. Um, but anyway... Flexural surfaces and in babies, oftentimes everywhere, and oftentimes on the face okay. in the little ones, right? It's on their cheeks. And the other thing, too, that I think is really important about atopic dermatitis is it is chronic. And probably the most frustrating thing as a provider and also as a parent, I think, is if they don't realize and you don't tell them that this is not going to get better. And even if it does or when it does, it's going to flare up, sure. right? So it can be acute, subacute, it can be chronic, but it's going to be coming back and forth. So if you set people up to say, I'm going to, I will heal you of your dermatitis, you're, they're not going to like you're gonna you. You're going to fail. You're definitely going to fail. Yeah, you're going to fail. And they're going to come okay. back and they're going to be mad at you. And, you know, they're going to call people and it's not going to be fun. 
So relapsing, chronic, these are things that are important to, to document and to know and to explain to people. Um, atopic dermatitis is often very early onset, right? Like what ages are we talking? Oh, babies. First couple of months sometimes, right? Um, but definitely in the first year of life, you're going to see atopic dermatitis. And there's oftentimes a strong family history. So, um, you know, if you have a baby come in and dad has terrible eczema and they're getting these patchy things on their face, well, they probably got the eczema, right? Um, and so thinking about family history, um, do you want to think about a differential diagnosis or do we care? Sure. Why not? not? Uh, why not? Why not? So things like seborrhea, right? A contact germ. Well, I think it's mm -hmm. especially important to talk about differential in the babies because right. I think it's easy to diagnose a five-year-old who's come in mm -hmm. with asthma a couple times and now they have a rash. Okay. But in the babies, I think it's a little harder. So. Right. Right. And because things like the scabes. The scabes. The, the scabes. Scabies for those who mm -hmm. aren't enlightened. Yep. The scabes. <laughs> Okay, the scabes, because I always think about scabies, like, I find Justin Bieber to be a parasite, right? And they call him the Biebs, so I call it the scabes, and it makes me think of Justin Bieber, because he's a parasite, okay. um, or is, yeah. I guess it's more of a, it, it's, it's a, it's not really a parasite, it's like a little mite, yeah, it's like it's a little a insect, all right, whatever, he's a mite. Uh, Justin Bieber just still the be a mite. The scabes. The scabes. Okay, so scabies, okay. scabies. scabies is on a differential. Scabies is a differential diagnosis, right? Because infants can have diffuse, infants most often, they don't have that, like, look between my fingers and you're going to see burrows. Sure. They are covered in oh, pestles and itchy. papules. Just about Honey, it. everybody's going to get the scabes at some point in their lives, okay? It just happens. It's like a bad date. you got to go on it once to know what it's like. <laughs> and I think you also you have to do that with scabies. No, you don't have to. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I guess if you want to, though. Yeah. There is something, side note, because oh, okay. this is really important. There is an entity called Norwegian scabies, which is an overwhelming infestation. Millions of mites, right? That you actually have to treat with oral medication. But anyway, only seen it once. Digress again. And yeah, the, yeah, we digress. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Going back to infants and atopic dermatitis. So... Yes, it can be very classic, but I think the biggest confusion is seborrhea, right? Because seborrhea gives you that kind of greasy, yellowish stuff, but also it's in kind of the same distribution. It's kind of on the head. Are the treatments different? Uh, not really, <laughs> right? A little hydrocortisone, see what happens. Um, and you can do some shampoos. Uh, I just do hydrocortisone. I just, I just do hydrocortisone, see what happens. Even um, on the face? Yes. That's okay in the babies. That's okay in the babies. I would be cautious about using it in a baby under two months, right? Because do we really have something going on under two months? Or is it just something, oh, something benign, like neonatal cephalic pustulosis. Mm. Fancy way of saying baby acne, right? So try to limit, I would not do steroids in a kid under two months, honestly. Okay, so um, what would you tell the family? Because they I, want something, right, right? I'd tell them to, first of all, and this is important for anybody with atopic dermatitis, let's look at our environmental factors. So what are we using on the baby's skin? right? Does dad like to use the Axe body spray all across his chest okay. and then snuggle and then the, the baby, baby, right? Skin to skin. Um, what are we using for our lotions, for our detergents? What are we using for our um, fabric softeners, like dryer sheets? All this stuff actually has an impact. So making sure that you are doing everything fragrance-free 
and hypoallergenic and all that stuff, you know, on baby's skin and on parents' skin. So especially if we're holding on shirts, make sure that we're not spraying perfumes, doing that kind of stuff. So for atopic dermatitis, being really attentive to your environmental factors and then being really attentive to your xerosis. I'm going to bring it Very all good. back to xerosis, right? Because you want to you want to use plenty of emollients. So you can liberally use emollients in infants, right? There is nothing wrong with slapping some use. We gently apply the eucerin to baby skin. So I would liberally use fragrance-free emollients in young infants. I would be very cautious in the use of topical steroids. And there is no role for systemic steroids in atopic dermatitis. Okay. Okay. Especially not in infants, right? But there is, there's plenty of role for antipyritics, right? Atarax, Benadryl. Uh, Benadryl cream sucks. Don't use it. And then, you know, your low-potency steroids going to your high-potency steroids, depending on whatever your formulary is, right? And also um, how bad your skin situation is. So what if mm -hmm. we're not doing a great job of treating it and the kids are scratching the heck out of themselves? Mm -hmm. Is there anything we have to worry about in that case? Right. So I think if you're thinking, have I done everything I can to treat this atopic dermatitis and we're seeing no improvement, is it atopic dermatitis? Sure. Do you have secondary infection? What kind of infections? Staph. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mostly staph. Yeah. Sure. Or the famous and awful eczema herpeticum. Hmm. That's a big, bad, ugly thing that can rear its head. And then, you know, you can also, you have to think about in infants, if you have refractory skin problems, nutritional things, metabolic things, immunodeficiencies. Okay. Things like hyper-IgE, and then, like, random stuff like Langerhans cell. But I think at that point, you probably have already contacted your, your friendly local dermatologist and said, hey, I've got a baby here that I've had liberal use of fragrance-free emollients. And I, and I would be very cautious, too, actually. I do not use antipyritics in infants. I don't use Benadryl. I don't use Atarax um, because of the sedative effects. And I think that, that also depends kind of on your level of comfort and also what your specialists will do but I tend to be pretty cautious and I don't I don't usually give it under six months right okay. and then that I'm a, and then I'm a weenie I'll give you like a whiff I'll be like you can have a, you can have a drop and let's just see what happens you know but I think emollients 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 low potency steroids if you need to move to higher potency steroids you have to be very aware of the age of the child because infant skin is very different right than kid skin. Infant skin has, an, especially in premature skin. Oh, that's that's going. We're going way too deep. Let's not go that deep. Let's let's summarize our atopic let's dermatitis. Let's summarize atopic right? dermatitis. Okay. So, so associated with asthma, allergic rhinitis, mm -hmm. can see in babies. Yes. And might be in a different distribution than in your older children. Correct. So more kind of over the face, maybe mm -hmm. the whole body, rather than the flexural surfaces that we may see in an older child. So okay. Good. Okay. okay. Strong family history mm -hmm. often associated. There is controversy, right, when it comes to talking about is it my food okay. that's making my skin flare? If you think that a child has a food allergy, you refer them to an allergist, okay? Because elimination diets, right? Unless you have clear evidence that a child is allergic to a food, 
I drank milk and I broke out in hives, vomited, swelled, those kind of things, then if you start eliminating, you know, your kind of five big things, you're going to come into problems. Um, if kids are allergic to foods and they have atopic der dermatitis, there are kind of a top five foods, right? And it's eggs, soy, milk, wheat, and peanuts. Okay. Okay. Eggs, soy, milk, wheat, and peanuts. But we would not want to saddle these kids with a diagnosis of having these food allergies without the help of a specialist. Correct. Is that fair? Correct. And honestly, anytime you suspect a food allergy then that person should go see an allergist, mm -hmm. right? Because there's a lot of other things to think about when we're talking about food allergies, right? Are we going to eliminate, if we eliminate eggs, are we eliminating straight eggs, are we eliminating egg products? Are we going to eliminate anything, you know, that's made from egg, right? It just, it, it gets, it, it's too deep. It's just, too, it's too deep for us to deal with. All right. Okay. So if you suspect a food allergy based on a reaction to a food, not based on the skin, okay? If the family says, well, every time they eat wheat, their skin gets worse, well, do they also have, you know, hives and other things? Okay, let's have you go see an allergist. Um, and sure, eliminate wheat until you see them, right, if you really think that's a problem. But, again, I think you just have to be very careful in saying that the food is the cause for the atopic dermatitis because most of the time it isn't. Um, so our treatment should consist primarily of treating that xerosis, baby. <laughs> so emollients, 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 darlings. I cannot stress that enough. And they have to be fragrance-free. So looking at the labels is very important because sometimes they'll put fragrances in and then put a masking fragrance in, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but whatever. Um, liberal use of emollients, judicious use of steroids, and not using steroids in infants, um, thinking about in infants different diagnoses other than atopic dermatitis, um, and remembering that kids are going to absorb things very differently. So using your antipyritics in your older children primarily. Wow, we really summed that up well, didn't we? We did a pretty good job. Dang. Kind of awesome. Secondary super infection. Yes. Treat that with oral antibiotics. Targeting yeah. staff and then watch mm -hmm. out for the big scary eczema herpeticum. Which equals admission to the hospital. Mm -hmm. For IV. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, so let's talk about some other infectious rashes while we're okay. on the topic. Love it. Um, a lot of these will be covered in the infectious disease section of Peds in a Pod, uh, but we'll talk about some common ones here, and most of these, we'll talk about the big scary ones, and then uh, your favorite, Justin Biebs scabies, is also featured in this the section. Scabes. Uh, the scabes. Why don't we start with scabies? We should start with scabies, because everything should start and end with scabies. Okay. Right? All right. So, scabies. I really hate scabies. Yeah. Why do you hate scabies so much? You're like the little mites crawling oh, all under your skin you're so and burrowing. Itchy. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing, too, to remember is that anyone can get scabies, right? It's not associated with being dirty or nasty. It yeah. just is. And if you treat scabies... 
please don't just treat the affected individual, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You want to treat the whole family. Anybody that lives and sleeps in that home should be treated because scabies is not always going to pop up right away, right? It may take a month for somebody to all of a sudden show the rash. And, and, and what does the rash look like? The rash, oh, the glorious rash. <laughs> so this is when we talk about burrows, right, and lesions between the fingers okay. and, and genitals, little pustules. Right? Yes, in the, mm -hmm. the hands and feet, baby, hands okay. and feet. All right. Interestingly, in infants, again, it's usually all over. All over. Okay. Um, and and um, what do we treat this with? Permethrin. Okay. Five percent. Okay, and then how is and, that a one-time thing, or how how much? It's how so, much do I have to use it to get rid of my scabes? So, don't do what I did when I thought I had scabes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did it three nights in a row. Well, that's which is wrong. It's kind of harsh on your. Yeah, skin, it didn't feel it? good. Okay. Right, I had like a like I had a little contact dermatitis after yeah. that, a little chemical yeah. irritation. So that's wrong okay. and you shouldn't do that because because I had an overwhelming fear of the scabes well, right it's, yeah uh, and then I got over scabes is a bitch so yeah yes yes he is right right so usually you mm. use the five percent do you think cream? that Justin Bieber's gonna want to fight us now like he wants to fight Tom Cruise because we referred to him as scabies peds in a pod but if he does I'd be really <laughs> excited to hear him we will fight you Justin we will Bieber fight you, Justin Bieber scabes mm -hmm. yep and we'll fight you with tubes of permethrin. We'll just throw them at you. Which I think you should only put on oh, once and then correct. wash off eight hours later. You are so correct. Right? Yes. And then what, what happens after that? So the first thing you do is make sure you give enough tubes, right? Okay. And it's 5% permethrin. 1% okay. permethrin is the stuff you use for head lice. 5% yeah. permethrin is the stuff you apply for the scapes, right? Okay, yes. Neck to toe, covering to toe. all the Neck surfaces including the nether regions, but remember, this is, let's let's not go internal on this, all right? This is just an external no, application. permethrin in the badge. So, permethrin, 5%, one tube covers an adult, okay. and you apply it neck to toe, including the nether regions And treat everyone in everyone the house who at lives the same and sleeps time. in the house. Treat them all at the same time. Is it like lice, and you have to treat... The bedding and the clothes. You want to wash everything in hot water. Okay. So you want it. What I usually tell families is I say, if you can stand it, wait until a weekend, wash some clean clothes, set them aside, put everybody in their scabies medicine, right? Go to bed. The next morning, everybody goes through the shower, puts on their clean clothes, and then we start doing laundry. We wash sheets. We wash towels. We wash clothes. We wash everything. And then if seven days later we are still itchy and we still have lesions, right? Now, our lesions may, may be healing, but okay. if we have new lesions, then we want to treat a second time. And those lesions are little vesicles? Little, yes, vesicles or little pustules. Little vesicles right? or pustules. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, the thing that I think is the most important and the best way to keep patients and parents out of your office or ER is to warn them that don't tell them why I mean you can tell them why but it may cause more trouble than it's worth you're going to itch more after you get treated and the reason is that the mites are going to die and they're just going to like be in your skin okay. so, so they're just going to cause they're just going to it's some yeah it's, irritation exactly you're going to have some that's a nice way to put it after the mites have expired <laughs> 
they their their demise is irritating. And that could be safely treated with some Benadryl or some Adirax. Yeah, exactly. Not and, may, and maybe a little low potency steroid if you okay. want to. Okay. Right. Um, and then, yeah, and that's the scapes. Okay. All right. All right. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move. Ooh, one oh. more exciting thing about okay, scabies. Sorry. I'm sorry. Then we're gonna stop. <laughs> if you keep treating a baby for scabies, right? If you have this kid who you're like, this four month old keeps having these pustules on their feet only, and maybe their hands, mm-hmm. and I've treated them for scabies three times. three times and they've not gone away, then you should think about something else. Okay. Acropustulosis of infancy. Oh, that's a bonus Boom. rash. That wasn't even on our yeah, list awesome. to talk about today. Acropustulosis of infancy. Do I have to care about that one? No, it's fine. Acropustulosis of infancy. It's pretty cool. Okay, so yeah. if we're not treating this, or if we're treating the scabes and it's still happening, just mm-hmm. expand your differential a little bit. Exactly, just like you would with anything. Okay, and probably you should tell daycare about this one. Unfortunately, uh, you're really nice to daycare. I mean, you should <laughs> tell them. You about should. It, you so. should. You know what? Honesty is the best policy, right? Right. Integrity is important. Can and I? yes, you should tell everybody. Okay. You should probably put it on Facebook. Or wait, Facebook's not cool. You should put it on Instagram. Only on Justin Biebs' Facebook. Mm-hmm. Justin okay. Biebs. So let's talk mm-hmm. about another daycare spread rash that eh, is like meh. The impetigo? molluscum. Oh, the molluscum. Oh, I uh, love the molluscum. And then let's talk about impetigo okay. after that because that one's okay. pretty common too. Yeah, molluscum's pretty awesome. Okay. What I miss is that we used to have blistering beetle solution in the clinic. Hmm. Yeah, and we could totally do that, but we don't have it anymore. So now we just have to be sad. Okay, so, so molluscum contagiosum. Mm-hmm. Explain Correct. the rash for us again, so, Dr. Phipps. It's sessile, right? So it's a sessile. Sessile. It's a broad-based papule, sessile papule. Okay. Right, and it's often classically described as being umbilicated. So it has a, a little, little indentation, badonkadonk in, in the middle, right? And the big thing about that is don't squeeze it because you're just going to spread it. Yes. So. <laughs> Rashes are so gross. Okay. I feel like you have to embrace the grossness of it, right? Because it just is. So mm-hmm. the boards want us to know something stupid about staining again. Because we're not really going to sta- stain this in real life, right? Why are we staining everything? Well, anyway, so if we stain it, <laughs> I guess what are we going to see? Do you know? Pause for station identification <laughs> while I look it up. Hold viral on. Viral inclusion bodies. Oh, we're going to see viral inclusion bodies. That's why I didn't know that, because why would you even do why that? Why would you stain okay, it? Okay, why would you stain it? Anyway, don't stain it. It's, yeah, don't So stain this it. one is going to be really mm-hmm. easily identifable right. on exam. So you mm-hmm. should just know what it looks like, because when you see it, you know it. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing else that can look like that. No. The, the one thing that I think is exciting about molluscum, yep, I said exciting. Okay. Okay. is that when it starts to go away, it is going to start to look infected. So a lot of times people will get put on... Pause for the ambulance uh, Pause for the ambulance. All right, ambulance over. Good. Proceed. Okay, so, molluscum. When it clears, you're saying that it... Right, so when it starts, because the body will take care of it on its own, okay, right? so it's, we don't need to treat it. No, we don't need to treat it. But a lot of people want to treat it because it's cosmetically unappealing, right? Yeah. And you can often get a lot of them, and especially if they're on the face, like families are going to want to have them treated. Um, you do want to treat genital lesions, right? But that's not something I'm doing in primary care. Sure. You have fun, dermatologist, you go right ahead. You treat those genital molluscums. So what do we treat with? So you can use like a Miquimod, 
Um, you can use cantharidian if you have it, right? We don't have it anymore. Is that um, the Beetlejuice? That's the Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, okay. Beetlejuice. There's lots of, yeah, salicylic acid, pedophilic. Like, honestly, I don't treat it anymore because usually I just tell people to let it be. But, and if it's on the face or in the genitals, I send them to dermal, right? Okay. So I often don't treat it. But we just describe the natural course of it. And the most important thing with the natural course is the boat sign. The boat sign. The boat beginning sign. of the end. And it's a real thing. It's clever. Yep. Okay. So when you start to have your kind of getting rid of it body immune response, it's going to start to look very red and very inflamed. And so oftentimes this is when people will actually show up for care because they'll say that it's secondarily infected. But it is not. It is basically your body's immune system making it get big and gross and then they fall off. It's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, it's it is. I guess it is a little bit gross, but it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially self limited. I mean, and, obviously, and really contagious, on, right? It is contagious. Yes, which is why you don't really want to squeeze them. You know, things like sharing a bath, sharing a towel, these kind of things can spread it. Um, but oftentimes they're auto inoculated, right? A kid scratches it, and then they scratch their butt, and now it's on the butt. Okay. You know, they scratch their knee, and now it's on their knee. How long um, does it take to go away? What can we tell families? I hate to say it, but, I mean, it seems that it can take, like, not a, a couple months to go away. Okay. Yeah, so it's not something so that's going to go away quickly. Right. Oftentimes, by the time we get them in to see a dermatologist, it's gone. Because in our system, that takes a long time. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty common. Okay. Yep. All right, you mentioned mm -hmm. impetigo earlier. Oh, my God, I love impetigo. Okay, why? Well, Because it's described as honey-crusted, right? Okay, so that's the buzzword. Exactly. Honey-crusted, and it, like, onion skins. It's got all these food associations, oh, wow. and I love food, right? And everybody gets impetigo. I also like the variations of what people call it. You okay, know? what Nobody are some examples? Nobody can ever actually say impetigo. Um, I don't know, in, can't come up with anything off the top of my head, <laughs> but I know they do. They do. They they just don't say it right. It's impetigo. All right. So this can be an infection from something else, like mm -hmm. we talked about earlier. Like it can be a super infection for just itching. Uh, you can get a super infected bug bite. You can get a super infected atopic dermatitis. Mm, yep. But it can also just pop up on its own. Exactly. And it really is your most common skin infection in children. And what is it caused by, again? It's caused by staph, for the most part, okay? okay. It's caused by strep less commonly, okay? okay? But if you're bullous impetigo, mm -hmm. staph. Okay. And what's our, what's our treatment? Our treatment varies, like, depending on, you know, how bad it is. You can just do topical antibacterials, or can you do orals? Right. Okay. So when would I think about doing one versus the other? I think it depends on the number of lesions, right? I mean, kids with impetigo are not going to be sick for the most part unless we start talking about progressing our staph infections, right? If we start talking about staph scalded skin and see, you know, blah blah blah. No, just straight up like kid impetigo, superficial skin infection, topical mepiracin. If we start to get you can do oral agents, right, if you have, like, a whole bunch of lesions. Infants who have really deep infections, obviously, you're going to want to admit those kids, right? I mean, bullets in Patigo and neonates, that's a little scary. Um, 
but most general impetigo in kids is either self-limited or you treat it with topicals or oral antibiotics, right? Just straight up impetigo. Okay. Straight up impetigo. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be at higher risk of having like a bad infection, obviously, if you're if you're young, if you have any immune compromise, and depending on the like the virulence factors, right? Inf- inf- yeah. Ask your infect. Ask your infectious disease practitioner. <laughs> I'm just a pediatrician. We just get a little impetigo. We just treat it with some topicals. And usually it goes away. And yeah. it, does it leave scarring? No, generally okay. not. So mm-hmm. that's good to tell the parents, too, because parents always want to know, is right. this rash forever? And is my kid going to look Yeah. And I mean, it's case by case. It's case by case, right, as with anything. You use your, use your clinical judgment, people. Use it. So you mentioned staph scalded skin. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're actually going to talk about this scalded skin syndrome in this episode because Ashley and David cover it in a different episode. But we should talk about maybe Steven Johnson Mm -hmm. versus toxic epidermal necrolysis. Thank you. You're welcome. Glad you said that mouthful Mm -hmm. for me. Yep. Um, S-A-S or Mm T-E-N. This is a rash we really worry about. Um, It's under our infectious umbrella, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be from an infection. Is that true? This is true. Right. So kind of what's the difference between Steven Johnson's and TEN, just so we can have a quick review of that. Right. So basically, both of them, you have blistering, you have detachment of epidermis, right? You have mucous membrane erosions, and they're, they're on a spectrum. It's depending on what your body surface area involved is, is my understanding. Yeah. So your Steven Johnson's going to be less than 10%, whereas your toxic epidermal necrolysis is going to be greater than 30%. And if you're in between, you can be an overlap. I mean, they're weird, and it's weird in babies. Like, it'd be crazy to have this in a baby. Uh, But it certainly can happen in children, for sure, okay? And if you're thinking about either of these rashes, you're probably thinking about admitting them to a burn unit. Oh, damn, yeah. For close monitoring and... Absolutely. I mean, these are are some of the most serious skin things that... Yeah, they're life-threatening, so... Okay, so They're a big, big deal. What are we looking for, skin characteristic wise again we'll try to explain it really well since you're Mm -hmm. not looking at a picture but we'll have some resources in the show notes right blisters erythema involvement of the mucous membranes right exactly and erosions oftentimes in your mucous membranes you're going to have more than one affected mucous membrane um yeah steven johnson and tn are Sometimes associated with drug use, drug reactions, mm-hmm. so new medications. Uh, right. Other things you're going to see is like, I mean, obviously you're going to see blisterings, you're going to see target lesions, you're going to see erosions. Um, it's just, it's nasty business, people. Okay, so this is one you should definitely know and recognize and familiarize yourself with pictures of. Yeah, Stevens-Johnson's and toxic epidermal necrolysis, right? These are not well-appearing children, these are sick kids sick 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 kids okay and it, yeah it usually is medications or infections medications or infections i think one of the big infections is mycoplasma right mm, yeah that's fair mm-hmm. and these kids probably look sick enough where you'd be ordering a respiratory viral panel or something to help you differentiate what's going on with the rash but they definitely need to be admitted be anyone ordering, that you're concerned you'd be ordering everything everything you'd be like i need i need me some cmps and cbcs some CRPs, some ESRs, some WTFs, <laughs> all, all of it, 
all of it. And, and if you're basing how you treat this on what we're saying, then we have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You, this was one you should already know, honestly. So look it up. Right. <laughs> Very helpful. I guess. Yeah, we're super helpful. Yeah. But basically, it's, it's the differentiation depends on body surface area involvement. These are exceedingly sick children. It's usually triggered by infection or by drug. And so prompt recognition, prompt treatment, and prompt fluid rehydrate. I mean, all of these things are just insanely important. So be, be vigilant, people. Okay. Vigilance. All right. So we've talked about... Constant vigilance. We've talked about the mm-hmm. scabs. Mm-hmm. We've talked about... At length. At length. <laughs> a lot of scabs. If you get the questions wrong about scabes, don't come, don't, don't come calling me. Um, molluscum, contagiosum. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And the boat sign. Mm-hmm. Atopic what dermatitis. Was what was boat standing for again? Beginning of the end. Umbilicated mm-hmm. pearly papules. Correct. Okay. Sessile. Uh, mm-hmm. And impetigo. Yep. Honey crusted. Staph. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Or strep. But if it's bullus, it's staph. And then we are considering in our differential... Um, of really bad rashes, Stephen Johnson, mm-hmm. and toxic. You can do it. Epidermal. Epidermal. Necrolysis. Great. Mm-hmm. And then let's finish up with, I don't honestly know why we're talking about this, but the board seems to care. Papula, papular urticaria. Oh. And it's under the infectious subtitle, maybe because it's a hypersensitivity reaction to an insect bite. I'm not sure why that's... I don't know. Okay. I don't know is why it, it's is relevant it to us, but papular, papular urticaria. Mm-hmm. We just like to say it. So it, it maybe we should have talked about it with the scabes, <laughs> because it's in the differential for scabies. Everything comes back to scabies. Uh, it basically looks like some erythema around an insect bite, mm-hmm. but other family members won't have it. That's all I have about papular... Yeah, and I mean, I think, too, anytime you're talking about insect bites, right, you can't often identify the type of insect unless you are on an episode of CSI. Mm. So, you know, families will say... It's a spider bite, but then what should we think of? It's the MRSA spider! It's the MRSA spider. It's the MRSA spider. Sorry, that was loud. Uh, Yes, the MRSA spider. No, it can be fleas, it can be mosquitoes, or as my mother would say, mozzies. And it can be spiders, it can be chiggers, it can be anything, right? But papular urticaria is recurrent, and it's often in the distribution you expect to see for insect bites, right? Arms and legs, areas that are exposed um, un- like because they're not covered by clothing, right? And it's really annoying because it's hard to get rid of, Um Basically, oftentimes I think people come in with papular urticaria after an exposure to bed bugs, um, and you keep, it just keeps flaring and flaring and flaring. So yeah, I don't know why they're excited about it. Um, and what do we do for it? Oral antihistamines, sure. steroids, okay. um, and then consider education. These- Mm-hmm. And consider these other infect, truly infectious things on the differential. Right. Bed bugs, scabies. Mm-hmm. All that good stuff. Okay. okay. All right. So it seems like we've covered a very random sampling yeah, of I've, rashes on yeah. mm-hmm. Port Wine and Wine. Exactly. With Emily and Aaron. Right. And I feel that perhaps we were a little non sequitur. 
We talked about scabies a lot. We did, we did. But I, I'm hoping that we learned something. And I just saw the first firefly of the season right there. Oh, that's very lovely. Yeah. All right, well, we'll go Speaking include... of non sequitur. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, David. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> we will include pictures again on the show notes and some of Dr. Phipps' favorite Durham resources. Uh-huh. And we hope that you had a great time learning about various skin disorders with us on Peds in a Pod. We had a great time. I had a great time talking to you. Cheers. Cheers. I'm just going to Hugs, on the not patio. drugs. <laughs> Drink Hugs, the rest not drugs. of our bottles mm. of wine. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm. Signing off. All right. Peace.